Good morning. We're taking an opportunity to look through the um, some commitments that God makes to us. And the reason why we would do this, we talked about it last week, is that before we can keep God's commandments, we must believe that God can keep his commitments. So believing God's commitments to us allows us, empowers us to to be able to do the things that we need to do to keep his commandments and do the things that he wants us to do. When you think of the, the Ten Commitments, the first four commitments deal with point A, and the second four commitments deal with point C. Think of where you are at point A, uh, spiritually and emotionally and physically. If you think about where your life is, and again, in this time where we're having to deal with this pandemic, you know, some things in life are positive, but some things are negative. They're not where you'd like them to be. Uh, you look up from where you are, wherever you are, at point A, and it really does help us to understand and to hear. God sees you. He understands the things you're struggling with, the things that are easy and the things that are hard. God sympathizes with you. Jesus knows what it's like to be limited by physical and social kind of pressures. Um, God deals gently with you, and he loves you. Um, God's sympathy, gentleness, and love, when you're going through something difficult, they're very healing. It's very comforting for us to understand that he understands. Um, however, when we think about where we are in point A, all of us have the sense for where we're going, where we need to go to point C. And we need to get moving. We want to make progress in arriving at the place that we would like to get to spiritually and emotionally and physically and socially. How does God relate to our future? That's the second four commitments. They relate to point C. They describe where we're headed from where you are as you look in the future. And here's the second of the sets of four commitments. The first one, the first set, God sees you, God sympathizes with you, God deals gently with you, and God loves you. And the second four are God changes you. God chooses you. Good is ahead of you. Good is guaranteed to you. The fifth commitment, the first in the second set, God changes you. Here's what it says. God promises as part of the new covenant from Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. Here's what he says. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. When you think of where God wrote the first set of Ten Commandments, where was that? He wrote them on tablets of stone. And what he says as part of the new covenant, I am going to write them not on tablets of stone, but I'm going to put them in your minds and write them in your hearts. And the, the thing that we have to understand is that represents a real change in how things happen. Let me read a couple of verses from the Old Testament that help us to understand who had the responsibility to 
make people aware of God's laws. Because what God says as part of the new covenant, I will write them in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. Let's see what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 17. Moses instructs the people, says, go to the priests who are Levites and to the judge who is in office at that time. Inquire of them and they will give you the verdict. Be careful to do everything they direct you to do. Act according to the law they teach you and the decision they give you. Do not turn aside from what they tell you to the right or to the left. The man who shows contempt for the judge or for the priest who stands ministering there to the Lord must be put to death. There was a lot of way. So when you went to a part of the old covenant, you went to the priest and the priest told you what to do. He made sure you understand what your responsibility was before the law. Priests have responsibility and so did parents. So what it says in Deuteronomy 4, he's writing, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So in the Old Testament, the responsibility to help people know what the law was fell on the shoulders of parents and priests. And in the New Covenant, God says, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. It seems then that in the New Covenant, God assumes responsibility to create a responsiveness in his children. So he takes responsibility. God says, I will put my laws in your mind. I will write them on your hearts. It says in Je Jeremiah 32, a chapter after the a chapter after the first announcement, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. He goes on to say, I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me for their own good and the good of their children after them. Because God assumes responsibility, he kind of absolves us of ultimate responsibility to do that. Um, let's be clear, though. So God says he'll do the change, but what kind of change does God do? When it comes to God's agenda for change, what is it that God wants to create in you? When it talks about God creating responsiveness, what is it that God wants to do in your heart? What kind of things does he want to do? Um, let's talk about the signs of change. When we think of the signs of change, we're answering the question, what? What kind of change does God want to create in our hearts? Um, it says in Galatians 5, 6, a very short, easy to remember listing of what God sees as ultimately important. The only thing that counts and God's going to talk about what counts. And again, depending on who's talking, when they talk about what counts, they talk about what matters, what's most important. But it says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
That's what counts to God. So when God creates something in you that he desires, he's going to do two things. He's going to help you to develop faith, and he's going to help you to express love because of that faith. Faith is confidence in God's promises. This is what God wants us to learn. He wants us to know his promises, and he wants to build our confidence in them. So as the years go on, we know his promises a little bit more and more and more, and we believe more and more that God will be faithful to keep his promises. Faith is confidence in God's ability to do what he says he'll do, even though it doesn't look like it's going to be easy for that to happen. And that's really true when we think about ourselves. You know, you look at yourself, and you think about your ability to be who God wants you to be. Here's what God says to you. I'm going to put my law in your mind and write it on your heart. And you look at your heart and you say, "Uh, I don't think it's working because I don't see in my heart the kind of things I'd like to see. And what God says Don't look at your heart. God says, I'm making a promise to you. And here's what he wants. He wants us to know the promise, and he wants us to believe it. And God wants us to believe that he'll put his law on our minds and write it on our hearts. Um, Faith expressing itself through love. Love is an active concern in the Bible for for others in time of need. When people are in a position where they need something, Food, that's why we're going to go to the banquet, is to help individuals who need food will go there and help to serve. That's love in the Bible. Love in the Bible is very practical. It's a verb, not a noun. It's not something that you fall into and out of. It's rolling up your sleeves and helping somebody in need. Um, It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So, here's what God wants. The signs of change? Faith. Expressing itself in love. It's easy to remember, isn't it? What? The what of change? Faith and love. Faith expressing itself in love. This is the change that awaits us at point C. You know what God wants from us? Usefulness. Not necessarily joyfulness. He wants us, the light, to be functional. Not beautiful. No, he did, that's, so when God thinks of change, he wants us, well, there's a, there's a prayer in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the Steps 7 prayer. And here's what it says. I ask you to remove every defective character that stands in the way of my, and then it's gonna, it asks, it, it puts a, an adjective in there. What you imagine? If the prayer is, I ask you to remove every single defective character that stands in the way of my joyfulness. What if that was the promise? What are the defects of character that stand in the way of joyfulness? You might have a list. You might think of what the things that stand in the way of joyfulness. But that's not what it says. It says, I ask you to remove every defective character that stands in the way of usefulness. Would you agree with me? that the things that stand in the way of joyfulness and the things that stand in the way of usefulness, that's a different list. And that's what God seems to say. He removes the things that stand in the way of usefulness to him. 
things that stand in the way of faith expressing itself through love. That's the signs of change. Let's talk about the source of change. Now, when we talk about the source of change, we're not talking about what changes God makes. We're talking about how. And there are two of them. The signs of change are faith and love. The source of change, the how of change, is light and sight. Light and sight. That's how God changes us. Light. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3. It's talking about when Moses went up on the mountain. We've talked about this. When Moses went up on the mountain, God's glory was like a light. And that light shone on Moses' face, and it actually caused his face to glow. And it describes, uh, now we don't see, but let me, let me just read. Here's what it says. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it, while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this very day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here's the thing. Light is a way to think about God's glory. And light really is God's covenant promises. So when God makes covenant promises, Paul kind of sees that as light. And um, glory then is expressed in the language of covenant. So when God reflects his glory, Moses saw something physical, but we don't necessarily see that. What God does when he expresses his glory, when he shines his light on us, is he makes us covenant promises. And when we look at those promises, it's the same thing as Moses looking at the light that was at Mount Sinai. And that's how we change. Change only occurs, I want you to listen to me, as we gaze at God's glory by focusing on his covenant promises. That's how change occurs. God's light changes us. The light is God's covenant promises. When Moses looked at those, that light, it changed him. When we look at the light of God's covenant promises, it changes us the same way. Um, the difference is old covenant glory temporarily changed Moses' face. So when he went up on the mountain and he came down, the glory started to fade because old covenant glory temporarily changes the way we look. But new covenant glory, if you look at God's new covenant promises, it permanently changes not just the way you look, it changes your heart. It ends up creating a responsiveness inside. We find ourselves changing. That's what it means um, when Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. At that point, he's talking about God making new covenant promises to us. 
If, once you think about where you are in terms of your spiritual life, think about your ability to believe, to have faith. Think of your ability to love, to express faith through love. I want you to think of your ability to be gentle with others or harsh, gentle with yourself or harsh. If you were to give yourself kind of like a spiritual report card, how would you grade yourself? Think of things that you know God wants, faith expressing itself through love. Think of your ability to do that. There's times you don't do that. We don't do that. Okay, here's a question. Say if you wanted to change, you wanted to become a little more gentle, a little more loving, more joyful. Think about if you wanted to be more peaceful and patient. If you wanted to be kinder, gentler, more self-controlled, how would you do that? What do you do? What do we do to change? You know what the Bible says? That if we focus on God's promises, the changes that we want to see will happen inside. And you might not even be aware of it. That's the thing about transformation. What we tend to do, we look at the things that need to change and we gaze at them. Not changing yet. You know, we kind of look at it and we try to, we try to make the changes happen and, and we gaze at ourselves and glance at him and gaze at, and, and what we tend to do is, is we glance at him in order to kind of, how am I doing? And we try to make, how am I doing? You know what the deal is? That's upside down. You know what we're supposed to do? We're not supposed to gaze at our behavior. We're supposed to gaze at his promises and glance at our behavior. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how change occurs. We're supposed to gaze at your, his promises. You say you put your law in my mind and write it on my heart. I think you've got more work to do. You know, because I'm gazing. But see, now we gaze at his promises and glance at our behavior. That's how change occurs. It's a matter of light and sight. If getting tough on sin, if you coming here and I'd give you a punch in the nose was helpful, would do it. But it's not. What God wants for you is that you grow in your ability to express faith through love. And here's the deal. The fear of punishment cannot help you do that. It is not possible to frighten somebody into being loving. It's not helpful. So you don't need somebody to be tougher with you. What you need is, well, what we're doing is to try to identify what are the promises that God makes. And here's an important one. Promise, he says, I will put my law in your mind and write it on your hearts. It's about light and it's about sight. It says, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Again, gazing at God's covenant promises changing us, changes us. Gazing at our behavior does not. If we are gazing at our behavior 
and glancing at God's promises, our gaze and glance are upside down. Here's why it's important to remember the first four promises. Do you remember them? Do you know them? I'm going to encourage you to remember these. God sees you. God sympathizes with you. God deals gently with you. And God loves you. If you believe that, when we believe that, that that that's the way he sees us, just as we are, it becomes easier to have a relationship with him. Now, if you believe that God is really conscious of what you're doing wrong, it's very hard to be close to somebody who you believe is kind of harsh and mean and cruel. Would you agree? That's difficult. It's hard to really want to get to know somebody that you're afraid of. Here's the deal. God wants you to revere him. So listen to me. God does not want you to be frightened of him. He does not want that. He wants you to revere him. When the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about it's talking about reverence. It's talking about respect. God wants you to believe him and the promises that he makes towards you. And when you do that, you start to understand that he sees you. He sympathizes with you. He deals gently with you. He loves you. You start to want to have a relationship with him. You start to want to look at him and listen to him because he loves you. And when that happens, you start to be able to hear his promises. It's hard to hear God's promises when you're afraid of them. That's why God doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to hear his promises and believe them, because as you do, it will change your heart. That's what he says. It's a matter of light and sight. There is a, there is, it says about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says, By faith Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. So it says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Here's what we tend to do. Moses was very courageous, and he was very committed. What we tend to do is we tend to focus on being courageous and committed, and we hope that if we're courageous enough and committed enough, that we'll experience God personally. That makes sense? We say, maybe if I'm committed and courageous, like Moses, I can experience God. You know what it says about Moses? He didn't focus on being committed and courageous in order to experience God. He experienced God, and that allowed him to be committed and courageous. That's what it says. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Here's the deal. When we focus on who he is and his promises, we get to know him. What happens? We become more committed and courageous. So here's the point for this morning. If you want to focus on something, 
Don't focus on your commitment or lack of commitment. Don't focus on your spiritual courage or your lack of spiritual courage. That's not what you gaze at. Gaze at his promises to you. That he says he'll put his law on your mind and write it on your heart. Gaze at those and other promises and what will happen. God will, as you look at him, work in your heart to develop the ability to be more committed and more courageous. The signs of change are faith expressing itself through love. The source of change is light, God's covenant promises, and sight. When we gaze at his promises and glance at our behavior. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your promises, for telling us about the what of change and the how of change. You tell us the what of change. You want us to develop faith that expresses itself in love and the how of change. Light and sight. You express new covenant promises, and as we gaze at them, they change us. I'd ask that we would grow in our ability to know and focus on your promises and believe them so that they might change us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad that we could talk about this this morning. Again, what we'll do is what we've been asking you to do over the last couple of weeks as the pandemic is not slowing down. We're trying to be as careful as we can. So what I encourage you to do, it's a little bit chilly outside, but you can stand around. Make your way to an exit. Ask you not to congregate in here. Um, and so if you make your ways to the exit and visit with people outside as long as, if you can, a little bit chilly. Uh, hope to see you come back. Take care.